Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. He said it by sending his son. He paid the high price of admission. You didn't show up at this, this meal uh, free. Amen. We say that, that grace is free, but it's not cheap. It, it cost God something. He paid the dinner dues, if you will. He paid the price of admission, and it was not cheap. It was extremely expensive. It cost him his own son. And because of his willingness to give his very best, we find ourselves having the ability and the privilege and the honor of joining the Father at the table. And so we commune with him just like we did this morning. We would never be able to do that if he hadn't set the table for us. And then last week we talked about that once you're in fellowship, you got to learn how to act. Because how many of you know if you show up at the table and you don't use good table manners, you get asked to leave the table. Amen? I don't know what your home life was like, but that's what my home life was like. If I didn't have table manners, I got in trouble. And so we talked about that last week, that once we arrive at the table and we're in fellowship we have to have good manners and some of the things that we talked about was this that we arrive in settings like this and we recognize from Jesus example that our meals should heal when we're in fellowship together it's not about me getting mine it's about you getting yours that's how I prefer I prefer you to get your miracle first and so we deal with our nose I said that some of you needed to get a nose fix a nose job last week because sometimes we get our nose up in the air and we walk in pride and we think think this is about us and it's really not it's about him we said that in the in the kingdom when you're at the table you're not allowed to throw elbows right this is not about power plays and prestige parades it, it's about making room for others at the table and we talked about that preferring one another and and so then then Jesus said last week in Luke chapter 14 that's where we're going to go again this morning Luke chapter 14 is that that uh, you've got to bring people to the table that could never pay you back. Uh, we, we have a tendency, we, we have this weakness. We like to hang out with people that can do something for us. And Jesus said, no, no, you've got to come to this place in your walk where you're mature enough to bring other people to the table that can never pay you back, and then God will pay you back. Amen? And so I encourage you to learn your manners. And so last week we dealt with uh, the first 14 verses of Luke chapter 14. And so what I want us to do is that we're going to go back and finish today in Luke chapter 14 because as soon as Jesus deals with these people at the table, he comes right back and he begins to talk about dinner dates. And so today I want to tell, tell, talk to you just for a few minutes about the fact that we need some dinner dates. And so we're going to, yeah, some of you really want a, a dinner date. I understand. I understand. Maybe I should have preached this last night at the singles ministry. I don't know. So uh, Luke chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse 15, here's what happens. Jesus, you will remember at the end of uh, verse 14, he looks at the host and he says, don't just invite people that can pay back the favor, flip the favor, in other words. And we talked about that. And somebody pipes up in verse 15 trying, it must have been tense. It must have been one of those awkward moments. Ever had an awkward moment? It was one of those awkward kind of deal, right? Moments where Jesus has chastised the, the religious leaders and the host of the party and they're sitting there kind of on eggshells and somebody pipes up and he makes this statement to kind of break the tension. It doesn't work. Jesus doesn't let us off the hook that easy, but he tries. Because in verse 15, it says this. That triggered a response from one of the guests. How fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in the king in God's kingdom. He's trying to 
calm things down. We're, we're glad to be here, Jesus. Don't get, don't get worried. We're, we're, we're not taking this for granted. And Jesus won't let him off the hook. He goes on and he says this. Jesus says this. He said to him, a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. And the first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go and look at it. Please consider me excused to go out and look at it. Please, uh, did I already, yeah, to go out and lead it, to look at it. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the, that, that, that sounds right, but we're going to... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna deal with that one too, uh, and, and the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, "Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame." And the slave said, "Master, what you commanded has been done." They went out and got all the. The, the blind, the lame, all of those folks he said to go get, they did it. I, I'd never re- seen it quite like this. I, I don't think I'd ever caught this. He said, we've done all that. Here's the key. And, there, and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my Dinner, dinner dates, dinner dates. Jesus won't let them off the hook. And very quickly on into, in, into this little exchange here, Jesus teaches us something. I want to talk to you about two specific things this morning. The first one is this. Excuses can get you excused. See, we have a dinner date. You need to understand that when, when we are brought into relationship with the Father, at that moment we need to recognize that we in fact have received a dinner date. We, we have received an invitation to come and dine with the master of the entire universe. And yet many of us, rather than being filled with a sense of gratitude, are filled with excuses. We, we make up reasons and excuses why we can't commune and why we are disqualified from fellowship. Uh, D.L. Moody once said this. I think he was right on. He, said this, he made this statement. He says, excuses are the cradle that Satan rocks men off to sleep in. Excuses, excuses. Uh, so when, when, when we look at this passage, I have a couple questions. Was it sin or was it their schedule? that removed them from the table? Or, or perhaps could it be that our schedule is a sin? I, I don't know. The, the, y'all see. Uh, uh, maybe I ought to just dismiss right there and you can get your calendar out and repent. Uh, uh, they, they didn't have time for God. You, you think about the, the, this. The, they were invited to come and be in the fellowship and be in communion with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but they were too busy to, to accept the invitation. Now, I want you to notice some things here about their excuses. I, I find it interesting that as they make their excuses, two of their excuses seem to be absolutely, totally ridiculous. Right? Uh, the, the first two sound kind of crazy. I mean, one of them says this. He says, I, I bought a piece of land, and I need to go see it. 
What? You bought you bought a piece of property sight unseen? You didn't go, I mean, I've got some property I'll sell you. It's, a, you know, out there in the, yeah, it's in a swamp. But I, I didn't, don't bother looking at it. I'll just, just take my word for it. You spend all your life savings on a piece of property you've never even looked at? That is a ridiculous excuse. The second guy makes another ridiculous excuse. I bought five oxen. And now I need to go try them out. Really? You bought a combine and you've never even driven it in the field to make sure we'll harvest your crops? You bought a car and you didn't test drive it before? Even if you buy a car on eBay, you at least fly into where you bought it and drive it first. Come on now. Stupid. It it makes no sense. And then the last guy, he seems to make what appears to be a reasonable excuse. He, He just got, he just got, married and so he can't show up and and uh, those of us that are married understand that that sounds pretty reasonable but uh, but what we discover is that even that excuse was cast aside by the master so I begin to think about this and 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 contemplate why is Jesus driving home this truth about excuses so strongly and what I discovered is this is that uh, we often make some crazy excuses as to why we cannot be in communion and fellowship with God and we try to convince ourselves that they're reasonable. We, we even take things that sound legitimate and try to position them between us and God and say, because of this, I can't, be, I can't accept this invitation. I can't be used. But what in essence we are doing, whether we realize it or not, is we are throwing away an invitation from the King of Kings, the God of the universe, to do things that even when they sound right, like I got married and I can't come to the party, they... What, what Jesus is showing us is even things that sound legitimate pale in comparison to the privilege and the honor that we have and the unbelievable dinner date that we've been blessed with and we allow those things to get in the way. And so things are said like this. I, I, crazy excuses. Some of them even sound reasonable, but they're crazy. Like, I can't go to church because I need to go to the lake. Oh, shoot. I, I can't worship today because I had a fight with my kids on the way to church. And so I'm sorry, Father, about why everybody else is worshiping. I'm just going to be here fuming. Stupid excuses. We make them. We rationalize them. They sound reasonable. Uh, I mean, I've heard some crazy ones in my day. Like, I can't worship in that church. They have red carpet. Y'all, y'all don't look at me like that. Y'all used to attend that church too. They sat in my chair, and so now I'm just going to be mad all service long. They sang that song. I hate that song. They just keep repeating the words over and over again. Not enough words in that song. Or there's too many words in that song. And we, we allow excuses to separate us. Craziness, craziness. I can't, I can't serve on Sunday. I stay up too late on Saturday night, God. You don't understand. I can't witness to nobody, Father. I'm shy. I'm just too shy. And and although I appreciate the invitation to be a witness and to tell people and to go into all the world and make this, I'm sorry that was for everybody else you're ever going to say that wasn't for me because I'm just too shy. Crazy excuses. What I've discovered is this, is that I can't leads us to some very painful you can'ts. 
I can't do it. And God says, okay, if you can't do that, then you ain't going to like the you can'ts because now you can't stay at my table. That, that, that's what he says. See, we, we, we let ourselves off the hook a lot easier than God lets us off. We, we, this isn't, you've got to understand, this isn't an average, normal invitation that we've received to come and dine at the master's table. This is the greatest honor, the greatest privilege that we have ever or ever will receive in our entire life, and nothing can separate us. We like to quote that when it's convenient for us, but nothing will separate us. Nothing should separate us. Nothing can separate us. We must come to the table when we're invited see I I see I think that here's the real issue I am convinced of this is that most of us take the meal for granted because we've eaten so often and we've eaten so well that we ignore the incredible privilege that we have to even be at the table I've been in church so long that now if I miss I've been there before I've done that before I've seen that before I've felt that before some of you even said that in your own mind without even realizing you were saying it this morning that song started hitting and everybody's being moved and you're standing going there I've heard better than that boy if they just go up one more key modulation then maybe it'd be something I ain't never heard before but I heard we've eaten so often and so well how many of you know if you eat steak three times a day, steak gets old? And Jesus is saying you cannot make excuses. Jesus is trying to teach us that this invitation trumps all other invitations. That every other pursuit, as important as it may seem to us in comparison, is actually trivial. And so our number one goal, our number one purpose, our number one desire should be to get to the table when he calls us and spend time with him. See, here's the deal. Uh, if we continue, This is a mouthful. I wrote it down so I wouldn't say it wrong. Here we go. If we continue to excuse our excuses, our excuses may just get us excused. Say that fast three times. No, please don't. Uh, if we continue to excuse our excuses, our excuses may just get us excused. Some of you have been real tight with God, but your excuses are beginning to drive a wedge between you and the Father because you continue to excuse your excuses. And now you're discovering that your excuses are getting you excused. I could use them before, but I can't use them anymore because they keep making excuses as to why I can't use them. See, I, I think it's possible that we're missing an invitation to a better life, a greater influence, a new level of relationship, simply because we've excused ourselves out of an invitation. How many of you have received an invitation from God in times past to do something, to accomplish something, to, to, to fulfill the purpose of God in your life, but you continue to make excuses as to why you can't? And suddenly now you're standing here going, God, aren't you going to use me? And he's going, I tried. But you were out with the ox. And you were out on your property. And you were out. Of, come on now. That's just the way we live. We excuse ourselves. Well, the second thing that I think Jesus teaches us out of this passage that's very key for us to catch is this. Is that a dinner date is required. You need a dinner date. Some of you need it worse than others. But some of we all need a dinner date. What Jesus teaches us in this account, and this is going to make some of us uncomfortable, but here's the reality, is that Jesus 
in this account teaches us that the master absolutely refuses to throw a banquet and allow us to enjoy empty seats around us. Y'all think I'm talking about church attendance. And I am, but I'm not. Y'all remember that old statement, there's room at the cross for you? Well, okay. We think that once we get to the cross, all the room is used up. And what Jesus is teaching us here is that there is this great invitation that's gone out. And now that we've tasted and discovered that God is good, he refuses to let us stay at the table and enjoy it all by ourselves. I knew I wouldn't get nothing, but that's all right. See, see, here's the reality. The price was way too high to get to the, to get the table ready for God to be satisfied just because we got there. See, if we're, if we're comfortable, if you're comfortable this morning looking around you, and I'm not just talking about church attendance, but it's a pretty good indication of who's at the table. It's not, it's not the end-all uh, indication. There are other indications. I mean, some people uh, just, you know, are out this morning. I understand all that. I, please hear my heart this morning. I, but it is a pretty good indication of how important spending time with the Father is about who's in the building this morning. So if, if there are empty seats around us and we become comfortable, could it be an indication that perhaps we become complacent? That we really don't understand that, that there, is a, there is room at the table and that it is our responsibility to fill it? In fact, there's a statement I want to make to you this morning, and that is this. God doesn't send the lost to the church. Newsflash. God doesn't send lost people to the church. He sends the found into the world to discover and find dinner dates. That's what he does. And in fact, what Jesus is teaching us is that before we can enjoy our meal at the table, the table must be full. Boy, it's quiet in here. See, the reality is that it doesn't matter if the table is set if we don't expose those who are hungry to it. It doesn't matter how much lobster you cook, filet mignon you cook. If there's nobody in the room that's hungry, it will go to waste. And so our responsibility as table guests and as the master's servants is to go out and find those that are supposed to join us at the table and get them to the table with us and to never become satisfied until they're there. So who should we bring to the table? Jesus had dinner dates with folks that were suspect at best. You go back and you read the account of the numerous times. I think I read somewhere that Jesus, in, just in Luke, there were over eight. I think it was 80 occasions or 60 occasions, I can't remember exactly, that, that he was at a table somewhere eating, constantly in communion. And when you go back and you figure out who he was eating with, it gives us some insight. In fact, the Bible says it like this, that while he was around the tables, a lot of the times he was eating with prostitutes and misfits and outcasts and the unwanted in fact he did this so often that the religious scholars of the day begin to make accusations against him and they would say this he he eats with tax collectors and sinners i, I like one version one translation says it like this that the religious scholars come to the disciples and they ask them this question catch this out catch this right here don't miss this they ask them this why does your master eat with such scum powerful because then if my master is eating with scum then I got to discover 
and ask myself this question, who am I eating with? Who am I spending my time with? Who, why am I only willing to eat with those that are cleaned up? See, I, I, I just got to ask you, have you been accused lately of hanging out with any scum? No, 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 don't, don't, uh, I'm not asking you, has anybody said, thought the people in your church were scum? I, I'm not, I'm not talking about other people that are already at the table. I'm talking about people that have never been to the table. Do, do you know anybody that would be considered scum that nobody else will spend any time with? And by spending time with them, you bring them into fellowship. When was the last time you were accused of that? See, I, this is who I believe that we have to put our sights on. You know, I, I am convinced that, uh, and I'm just going to be straight up with you honest, I think we probably, if we continue to do, to, to, if we wanted to, we could work on this and we could probably fill up the table with people that are already at the table. We could steal folks from other churches and, and, and woo them in. But what Jesus is teaching us is that what we're supposed to be doing is going after the unexpected and they should be expected and accepted. Oh, man, let me, let me show you what's happening. I wonder how many of us, you know, have you ever been to one of those old-fashioned uh, testimony services? Yeah, you remember those? You remember those old-fashioned, we'd just let anybody that wanted to say something. It got kind of crazy sometimes. Like, like uh, if y'all have been in the one where the little old lady that watches uh, uh, Days of Our Lives got reality mixed up with the soap opera, and she'd stand up and say, uh, please pray for Dr. Luke or Dr., you know, whatever his name was. And he's sick, and he's on his deathbed. Y'all, y'all ain't never been part of that testimony service. I've seen some crazy stuff. Uh, the crazy one to me is, the devil's been fighting me all week. Praise God. Well, I don't want to praise God about the devil's been fighting you all week. Uh, we say some crazy some of y'all ain't never experienced that. We're just going to have to do that sometime and lock the, do- lock the doors so that certain people can't get in here. <laughs> I wonder if we were to have one of those old-fashioned, real, transparent testimony services, how many of us that are now sitting at the table, although we have cleaned up nice, if we aren't at the table now and we'd have to stand up and say, I've messed up in the area of purity in my life, and I have no business being at this table. My, my life has been brokenness by love, by being broken by sin and lust, and, and my, my drives and, and has just gotten, just destroyed my life. But now, somehow, way, I don't understand it, but now I'm at the table. I wonder how many of us, if we were really honest, would say, you know, you know, I got to testify that my, my life, I was in, a, I was in a, an addictive situation. I had, I had given my life, control of my life over to something else. I was addicted and I, my life was spinning out of control. But somehow, someway, God's grace, somebody came out and rescued me and brought me into fellowship and helped me clean up. And now I'm sitting at the table and life is so much better and I'm enjoying the meal and the communion and the fellowship. I, I wonder how many of us, if we're honest, would stand up and say, Hey, I need to testify this morning that relationships were out of control and it looked like my my marriage was going to fall apart and my kids were driving me crazy and I didn't like nobody and nobody liked me and my life was just one big fight and turmoil and Jerry Springer every day in my life. But somehow, somehow Jesus came out and sent somebody to me and now I... 
can find myself at the table and the, the, the fellowship is incredible and I'm enjoying the meal. I wonder how many of us would stand up and say, I was a trespasser. I was lost in sin. I was headed to destruction. I was going to hell and there was no other way. I was destroying my own life and the enemy had control of my it was it was it was just I was just marking time headed down a bad path but somebody some servant some some servant of the master intervened some servant of the master intercepted me and headed me off at the past and rescued me and brought me to the table and I wasn't clean and I smelled real bad and I didn't look like everybody else I didn't act like everybody else but they pulled up a chair to the table and said come and dine I wonder how many of us if we would really testify I know you cleaned up now but I wonder how many of us if we were really honest would say that's my story We've forgotten our own story. We've forgotten the fact that we were lost. We've forgotten the fact that we haven't always been cleaned up. We have forgotten the fact that we weren't always dinner date material, but God intervened and rescued us. So why are we so unwilling to offer the same grace and the same mercy and the same invitation that was offered to us? Why have we become so complacent when we come week after week and we dine and we taste and see and our lives are changed and we get our praise on and we get our spiritual fix and then we go home and we don't tell nobody all week long and we watch people around us dying and struggling and fighting and sick and destroyed and depressed and overwhelmed and we won't do nothing to get them to the table. And Jesus said it like this compel them to come in. I wonder how many of us, rather than compelling folks, are repelling folks. Jesus said, listen, I'm just trying to teach you this, that, that if you don't get out there into the highways and the byways and find people that are unaccepted and misfits and don't fit in and find them and bring them to the table, the master won't even let you eat. Notice the table was full of people that were broken and blind and lame. It looks like a good time to eat now. And Jesus says, there's still room. Still room. And as good as God saved you, and as good as he cleaned you up, can I just be the one to remind you this morning that there is still room. And every day you are coming into contact with people that are assigned to be at the table and all they need is somebody that has listened to the master and that when he said go out and get them, we will obey and go out there and encourage them to come in. We may have to hold our nose because they reek so bad, but we still bring them to the table. They may not know the manners when they get to the table. They may use language and terms that we aren't that comfortable with. And it'll take us some time. But Jesus didn't tell us to clean them up. He just said, get them to the table. He didn't say, judge them. He said, get them to the table. An interesting thing happens when you get into, finally get to the table. All of a sudden, when everybody else is using manners, you start to use manners. Right? That's what he's teaching us this morning. There's a guy by the name of Tony Campolo. So many, some of you know him. Uh, he was one of the influences in my life as a as a 14 year old at a camp. I watched a video series at camp where he talked about how to find God's will and purpose for your life, changed my life forever. I think it was called "You 
I don't even remember now. I have to go back and look. It was a great video series. But he tells this story of a trip that he took to Hawaii um, and jet lag kept him awake. Uh, so he finds himself uh, there for a meeting or something and, and he can't go to sleep. And so he decides to begin to walk the streets of, of Honolulu. And at 2 a.m. he wanders into a donut shop and takes a seat and is enjoying his donut just trying to unwind from the long plane trip and a couple booths over there are some prostitutes sitting in a booth dialoguing uh, talking and in the course of the conversation uh, this one particular prostitute her name was Agnes uh, that's not a great name for a prostitute but uh, you know like Buffy or Star or something but Agnes I don't know uh, I don't know Portia Mercedes, I don't know, but Agnes, all right, anyway, Agnes is sitting at the table with all those other prostitutes, and in the course of that conversation, Agnes pipes up and says, you know, today's my birthday, and she gets up, and she goes out to take care of her business, and uh, after she's gone, the other prostitutes begin to talk about the fact that it's Agnes's birthday, and Tony Campolo pipes up and looks over at the cook standing at the counter, and he says, Hey, let's throw a party for Agnes. He, he looks at the other prostitutes and say, Hey, girls, can you get Agnes back tomorrow about the same time? And let's throw a party for Agnes, a birthday party. And they all agree, and they decide they're going to work at it. And so the next night, they all gathered, and they show up at that donut shop at 2 a.m. And when Agnes finally walks in, these prostitutes and a preacher by the name of Tony Campolo and a cook all stand up together and sing happy birthday. And the cook had made the a birthday cake, and it said, Happy Birthday, Agnes, on it. And they celebrate her, and they take her the cake, and they set it at her table. And when they present that cake to her, tears begin to stream down her face. And after a few moments, she stops the whole thing, and she says, Listen, would it be okay if I bought another cake and we didn't cut this cake? Because I'd really like to take this cake home and show my mom. And they all agreed that they would do that. She said, I'll pay for the cake. She hands the money to the, 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 the donut cook, and, and they think they're just going to go on about their business. And she turns right in the middle of their birthday party for her and picks up the cake and runs out the door to take her cake home to show her mom. And after she leaves, there was silence in the room. And Tony says this. He says, as soon as she left the, the room, I bowed my head and I began to pray out loud. And this is what he prayed. Lord, we thank you for Agnes and for your love for her. You loved her enough to send your son to die for her on the cross. We thank you for the best present of all, the present of your own son. Amen. And when he finished praying, he lifted his eyes and he realized that every prostitute in the room had their head bowed and that they were praying. And the cook looked at him and he made this statement. He said, you're a preacher. Tony said he finally admitted that he was, and the cook asked him this question. Listen very carefully. The cook asked him this question. What kind of church do you have? And Tony, under sudden insight from the Holy Spirit, this was his response. You've got to get this response into your spirit this morning. This was his response. He said, I have the kind of church that throws parties for prostitutes. And gives invitations 
to sinners. And what I am wanting to challenge you this morning is that we must become the kind of church that people talk about. We can be talked about for a whole lot of reasons, and we have been in the past, I promise you. But the greatest compliment that we can ever be given is that in our community, when people begin to talk about us, they don't talk about our good music, although we've got the best. They don't talk about illustrated sermons, although, although I think we've got some. I, I, I don't think they should be talking about our youth ministry, although I hope they do. The greatest compliment that they can ever say about us is that's the kind of church where anybody is welcome, and they'll accept anybody. And not only will they say, we'll make you welcome, they go out and they get them, and they, they offer invitations to sinners. We're getting there. I got an interesting phone call this weekend, and I'm going to be done. I was driving in my car this week, and the phone rang. I didn't recognize the number. My phone is the church number, so I always answer it. And so I answered it. Passion, this is Steve. And when I did, this guy began talking on the other line. I had no clue who he was. He just said, hey, my name is such and such, and I work at this school right over here. And he, and he said that, uh, that it was called Coronado. And I was like, Coronado? Well, that's not right there. I don't even know what you're talking about. And, and he begins to talk to him. And I said, wait a minute, where are you? And he said, did I say Coronado? And I said, yeah. He said, I'm in Overholster. I was at Coronado last year. I'm at Overholster Elementary. And he said, look, we got some kids that desperately need help. He said, we got some kids that are unloved and unwanted, and their home life is horrendous, and we just need some folks to come in and help. I said, thank you very much. You just paid us the greatest compliment you could ever pay us, that people are beginning to understand that if you don't fit in, you fit in here. And so I meant... So I went and I met with them on Friday, and they are opening the door wide open to us. And in the fall, we are going to invade that school, and we're going to help some kids that need some desperate help. But we got to make up our minds. We got to make up our mind corporately. We got to make up our minds individually that we will be about finding dinner dates. Woody and I have been discussing this some, just as a personal challenge between us. When's the last time you won anybody to the Lord? When's the last time anybody joined you at the master's table that wasn't there previously or that somebody else hadn't already won? When is the last time you used what God has done in your life as a glaring invitation for people to come and join you at the table? We've got a decision to make. We can enjoy good meals and go home. I want you to know that we can put on some good meals around here. And we can come week after week and enjoy it and smack our lips and Wipe our face and say, whoo, we ate good today. I feel that way after the music today. I ate good today. Didn't even need a sermon. I ate good today. And I can go home, and I can get fat and sassy, and never bring anybody else to the table with me. And the master will be disappointed. So I want to say to you this morning, we're going to put on the best meals we can put on, but I'm not satisfied just because you're here. I'm thankful you're here. Don't ever think that we're not thankful that you're here. We are delighted that you're here. There's only one problem. I'm not satisfied with just you. And you can't be satisfied with just you either. We've got to come to this place where we go out and we get some dinner dates.
I'm thankful this morning for the eight people we've seen saved this year. There's only one problem with that. It's hundreds shy. Hundreds shy of filling up the table. I'm not talking about this room either. There's always room at his table. And there's people in your life that only you, only you can win. So, Father, this morning, I pray that you would challenge us once again. I've sat through challenges like this in my own life, and I know what I typically do. I make excuses. Too busy. I've done my job. I've won others, so now I can relax. But, Father, this morning, I pray that you would challenge us once again that you're never satisfied when there's room at the table. Father, I pray you'd send us out in the highways and the byways. And you'd make us willing to share your love. God, that's a dangerous prayer because I recognize that with it comes inconvenience and interruptions. It means we may have to talk to people we wouldn't normally talk to. It means we may have to go out of our comfort zone and share with people that we wouldn't normally share. It means when I want my own time and I want people to leave me alone, when the phone rings or when I walk into a store and they want to talk and tell me their life story, I stand right there and I listen because I recognize that I'm getting ready to be able to find a dinner date and I'm tired of eating by myself. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name you would challenge each and every person under the sound of my voice that's been coming week after week, not just to this church, but to your table. And they've, in, they've enjoyed, man, Father, we enjoy fellowship with you. But, God, this morning I pray you would expose our excuses, bust our comfort zone a little bit, and send us back out ready and willing to invite people to come and experience the greatest, most revolutionary, life-changing event they will ever experience, and that is coming into relationship with you. Use us, I pray. Every head bowed. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Steve, I'm in the building, but I'm not at the table. I'm here, but I don't know Jesus as my Savior. And I want fellowship with him. I don't fit in. I'm not like everybody else here. That's okay. There's room at the table for you. And you need relationship this morning. If you're here and that is you. And you want to come to the table today. Come into relationship with Jesus today. Have fellowship today. It's very simple. It's as simple as asking him to come and live in your heart. And at that moment, the moment that happens, you have fellowship with him. If that's you and you need that to take place in your life today, would you just quickly raise your hand and pull it right back down so that I can pray intelligently this morning. Is there one that needs to establish relationship with the king today? Is there one? Not going to wait long, but we're going to wait on you just a moment. If you're here and you don't know him, would you quickly just let us know, raise that hand so that we'll know. Father, you know every heart here. The, I, I, I am evaluating by that, making an, uh, a dangerous assumption, I guess, Father, that by that, that everyone under the sound of my voice knows you. 
I pray that they would continue to find daily fellowship with you. I pray that if they're making excuses, that you would stop the excuses immediately. And Father, I pray most of all that you would begin to show them dinner dates all around them. That they could just simply say the word, invite, and they would join them at the table. And Father, I pray that when they do that, when they remember this message and they do that, that the next time they come to fellowship with you, the fellowship will be sweeter and deeper and more meaningful than they've ever experienced in their life because they're not eating alone. And Father, we'll praise you for it and give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me make your job really easy this morning. We start a new series in May called Lion Tamers. We'll have live lions in the building. No, I'm playing. I've, I've tried to figure out how to pull that off, and I haven't pulled it off yet, so y'all better be careful. Uh, we're starting a brand new series in May called Lion Tamers. We have uh, invitation cards for you that you uh, will be handed on the way out. Let me encourage you not to just throw these in your front seat and never use them, not to put them in your glove compartment and never use them. Take them, and the, still the greatest and most effective means of bringing people to the table is personal invitation. We're making it very easy. I want to encourage you to take two of these cards and invite at least two people in May to join you. We're going to talk about what do you do when you're facing lions in life. We're going to talk about how to overcome that and how to tame all the lions we face in our life. Pastor Woody, would you come and give these folks some incredible information? I'm proud of our... It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.